Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio at jrootradio.com. Let's give you first the numbers of how to listen into the uh, to this class before we get to the actual class. The studio number, that means if you want to call in to listen, 712-432-4217. 712-432-4217. To listen online, you can listen at jrootradio.com. And also, this is live streaming. We're now streaming live on jrootradio.com. You can also listen on the JRoot Radio Pro app. If you have your smartphone, you can download the app on your Android or your Apple phone, and you can listen to this as well. The text number, if you would like to call into, or excuse me, if you'd like to text in your questions, at 347-927-8398. Again, 347-927-8398. 8398 and the phone number to the station is 718-683-5858. We do have somebody here in the studio. So therefore, if you would if you have any specific questions now that we're nearing the end of the holiday, or excuse me, nearing the end of the preparation for the holiday, the holiday is coming up this week. Therefore, call in and ask your questions. And somebody will write it down. And Bazat Tashim, if it's on the subject, we'll be able to answer it. And of course, like usual, we'll be here at the end of the of the class to answer any of those questions that you need. And we really hope to cover everything that we need in preparation of the holiday. Now, before we get to the actual class itself, let's f tell you a few things. And that is the times, the times for the holiday of Pesach in the year 2015, 57 65. Tafshin Ayin He. Friday is going to be, Friday night is going to be the night of Seder, the night of the first Seder. And which means that Erev Pesach is going to be on Friday. And the latest time to eat Hamid is at 10.14 a.m. And the latest time for a person to burn his Hamid, to benefit from Hamid is, is at 11.27 A.M. Hatzot is at 12.59 and candle lighting is at 7.04 p.m. Tomorrow night is the night before Seder, the night before Pesach, which means we all have the obligation of Bedikat Hametz tomorrow night. And therefore, make sure you remember all the halachot as we're going to speak about or you pay attention to the halachot of Bedikat Hametz as Bazat Shem will get to. Okay. Let's begin where we left off last week. We left off speaking about how to kosher certain utensils. And I hope it's not too late. And still a person should know these halachot in general, what we could kosher and how we could kosher. We're up to porcelain. Porcelain cannot be koshered. Porcelain is considered like heres, as the Gemara says, clear heres is bolea ve'eno polet, which the Gemara explains, it's not completely polet. It doesn't come out completely. And therefore, you cannot kosher any porcelain. This means china. You have plates, the china plates, put it away. Sinks, for those who are makpid on koshering sinks, then you also technically cannot kosher it. However, really like we mentioned last week, rov tashmish, we go by the Svaradim, by rov tashmish, if your sink is made out of porcelain, really... The majority of the way you use it is with cold, and you have no issue really. So therefore, it's a good idea, as Hakam Badia brings down, is that you should do a rui three different times on 
the sink. But again, I can't have deen for Sfaradim, it's not an issue. For Ashkenazim, either put in sink insert, or then all you could do is the Irui three times or cover it. Next, pots that are Kaleheris, then those are porcelain, like China, you have to store it away, you cannot use them on Pesach. But you should not sell these pots, you don't have to, and you should not sell these pots as we'll talk about later on. Next type of material that might be in your kitchen is wood or formica, which is really compressed wood. That usually will make up the counters. So if a person has counters, technically, if you really, again, the rough tashmish of the counters, the majority of the way that we use the counters is not by having hot water pouring on it. So therefore, you really technically don't need to clean it, as Hakam Ben Siyom brings down. But from the Humrah of Pesach, we do kosher our counters. How does one do it? The way to do it is by pouring hot water on it, which is known as Irui. That's the third method that we mentioned. If it might get ruined, then you cover them. That would be the easiest way. Also, if it's stone also, stone counters also, marble, whatever it may be, you could kosher by pouring hot water on it. That's Irui. And again, if you're worried about it, you're worried about your floors or whatever it may be, you could just cover them. They sell these special covers, plastic covers for the countertops. Those are very, very good to use. Because of the different opinions, like we said, we're telling you mainly the opinions of the Sfaradim. If you personally have or feel that there's a different opinion, make sure you check with your rabbi. Spoons that are made out of wood, to kosher them for Pesach, you do Hag'ala, which is in hot boiling water. Tables, again, don't need to be koshered. The best thing for a table is to just use a tablecloth, a clean tablecloth, you wash your tablecloth, you put it in the wash or whatever, or you get a new one for, for that's kashel la pesah. doesn't have to be meaning to say kashel pesah. it just means to say that it doesn't have any residue of hametz on it. And you can just use it, spread it on your table throughout the holiday of Pesach, and you'll be good. Next, plastics. Plastics really do absorb. And therefore, if a person has plastics that he needs to kosher for Pesach, so they really technically need... But that's, again, that's only if they were used in a way that they were as a clearly shown on the water, on the hot, excuse me, on the fire with hot water. If you're worried that if you do Hagala to the plastics, it might get ruined, then you cannot use these plastics on Pesach. You must store them away. You can't even try. Like we said, anything that you fear, you have a fear that might get ruined, you can't even try to kosher it. You must store it away. Baby bottles. A lot of people ask, what about baby bottles? So the question is like this. Let's say you do use hametz. First of all, if you never ever use hametz in your baby bottles, there's no one. You just rinse the baby bottles and use them. Give it to your baby. And let's say you do use hametz in your baby bottles. And usually the hametz that's placed in the baby bottles usually is not yet soluble. It's not so hot. Why? Because you're giving it to the baby and you can't have it so hot. But if you're a person that actually gets it to be so hot and then you wait till it cools down, so in that case, again, we come back again to the same idea. You have to do a iruya on this, on this baby bottle. Oh, Haggadah, of course, would definitely work. If you're worried that it's going to break, then you can't use it. Also, if you usually wash your bottles together, let's say you put in a big hot boiling pot on the fire. A lot of people do that for their baby bottles. And let's say there are other utensils inside that may contain hametz and you don't put soap inside of it. So in that case, again, you'll have to do hagala. However, otherwise, really, baby bottles in general, most... People, the way they use them is by just regular cold water and they just have to wash it and it'll be enough. 
plastic containers, which are used, let's say, to warm up in the microwave, that's considered like a klirishon, need hagala. And if it's used just for storage, then that's what you do. You just put water inside of it for about a 24-hour period. You do that, and then you empty it out. You do that three times. And again, that's only for you stored hametz. Water urns, the ones that they sell for Shabbos, the one the Shabbat water urns, you know, with the ones that you plug in and it cooks the water. A lot of people ask, how do you kosher the water urn? And the answer is, you don't need to kosher it. You don't put any hametz inside your water. All you put is water. That's all. You could even use the same water. There's no worry. There's no hametz that's going to walk into that water urn. You're not putting it there and it's not going to be there. So you don't have to worry about it. Next. People want to know, what about the sides of the sink? So the sides of the sink have the same deen as the counters. Because usually, most of the time, you do use only with cold. Things that spill on it shouldn't be a problem, really. Usually, you don't have... Sometimes, if you have hot things that spill on it, if you're Sfaradi, you don't have to worry about this sometimes. We go by the general use of this item. If the general use is that there is hametz, hametz is falling on the side, so what you do is irui through hot water, which is pouring boiling hot water on the sides that you feel need to be koshered. Fridges and freezers, very simple. Clean it out and that's it. No need for iru, no need for anything. It's a fridge, it's a freezer, it's cold. There's nothing that's being absorbed. All you need is method number four, which is regular washing and cleaning as you do to anything regular cold. No need to do any special hechsher on it. Next, barbecue. A lot of people want to know, how do you kosher a barbecue for Pesach? So now, I asked every single person who asked me about the barbecue, do you put bread on it? And the response was, of course. Oh, that's the best part of the barbecue. When you take the, the, the oil and the fat from the beef and the chicken and you put the, the bread on it and you get the juice inside your bread. So therefore, being that you're putting something dry on top of the barbecue, technically you should need libun because it's going in as it's dry. I mean, to say without any liquid. So therefore, the racks for the barbecue, if you're a person that usually puts bread on your racks of the barbecue, you should get new ones. Somebody showed me yesterday, they went to Amazon, exact size that they need for the barbecue. They've got new grates, new racks for the barbecue. You take that, you take it to the mikveh, you dip it. And the barbecue itself, you want to put it on. It's better put it on for about an hour, let it burn for an hour, and that's it. That's good enough. You don't need to do anything else. If you want to actually use the racks themselves that you use throughout the year, that you use them for hametz, you want to use them for Pesach. So in that case, you'll have to do libun gamur. And libun gamur means to blowtorch it till it gets hot. And we come back to the same problem. If you're worried that it's going to break, you can't even kosher it. And if you're not worried that it's going to break, that's what it's made for. It's, it's rough, strong steel. Okay, so you have to do that. You take it to certain places that blowtorch it. It needs libun hamur. I think that's it for koshering kelim. We'll move on to the next subject, and that is selling hametz. How does it work? What's this idea of selling hametz? How come some people do sell hametz, some people don't sell hametz? Should I sell hametz? Which type of hametz do I sell? So it works like this. Torah says, Lo hametz. You cannot have hametz. It says in the Pasuk, Lecha, your hametz. And ha- in Gemara, and that's a halakha, is Doresh. Lecha, your hametz is asur, but other people's hametz is not asur. Which means a non-Jewish Non-Jewish owned hametz in your property technically is not a sumna Torah. The Torah only forbids your hametz. But if it is your hametz, that's under Jewish ownership, even if it's not in your house, even if you don't see it, it's sitting somewhere in your warehouse, or even it's not your house, somewhere else, but that's still, it's your ownership, under your ownership, that hametz is 
Asur, it's Asur Midoraita to own it during the holiday of Pesach. And Hakamim made a special gizera after Pesach that you cannot eat the hamets and you cannot even have benefit from the hamets, which means you can't sell it. You can't even give it as a gift. It's a big Asur to have hamets over Pesach. It's called Hamet Sha'abar Aleva Pesach. However, a goes hamets is not forbidden. So wait, being in the, you know, you need a Jewish mind to come up with this. If my hametz is asur and the goy's hametz is muta, so let me do this. Let me take my hametz and give it over to the goy. And you're right. If you give your hametz to the goy, you make it the ownership of the goy. You sell it to the goy. It says hametz. You're not aware on it. It's not. It's not an asur. And then after Pesach, you want to go buy it back. You go go buy it back. Or if you want to give it to him as a present and get it back to him after Pesach, after Pesach, and let him give it to you back as a present, that's fine. Why? Because you transferred the ownership of this hametz from a Jew to a goy, and therefore they will, you will not have the isur, and you also will not have the restriction, the gezerah of the hachimim of hametz pesah. So based on this, that's great. How come people don't sell the hametz? Everybody should sell the hametz. What's the problem? Take my hametz and why should I throw it out? Why should I throw out the three bags of, uh, of, of bread, of flour, all these things? Why should I throw them out? I can sell my hametz. And the answer is, it's not the, the, the method that we just said, which is selling your hametz. Technically, it's not a problem. The problem is the way we sell our hametz. That could be a problem. The real way, as the Mishnah Barah says, the original way that the hametz was, was intended for, was intended for people who have large bulks of hametz. They can't get rid of it before Pesach because it's too much of an expense on them. It'll be a big loss on them, for them. So therefore, they were matir to sell it to the goy by taking the hametz literally and giving it to the goy. Here, the way we sell our hametz, although different uh, people, different rabbis, the way they sell it may be a little bit differently, but some of the issues that come under the sale of hametz is the following. Number one is that it should be removed from the house. Most people do not remove the hametz from the house. They rent out part of the house where the hametz is, and that is given to the goy. So you're not removing the hametz. As the Mishnah says, there's a hakpada. There's, you know, it's necessary that you should remove the hametz. So that's already one issue. Another issue is that the goy who's buying this hametz knows that he's buying thousands of thousands of people's hametz, which equals up to millions and millions of pounds of hametz. And he knows that Mosai Pesah is going to give it all back. He's not taking anything. So perhaps, maybe... I'm not saying it is, but maybe that the goy may not have semichat da'at, which means he doesn't believe this whole transaction is real. He thinks it's just a uh, nice thing to do. It's a uh, formal thing to do, and it might not be a real sale. Maybe. That's a hashash only, by the way. Also, one of the requirements of the sale of, sale of hametz is that it should be the key to where the hametz is in that room should be given over to the goy so he can come in whenever he wants. Here he's not coming in. Another hashash that's brought down, another reason why people refrain from selling hametz is because legally, I mean to say in the United States here in America or outside, legally it's not binding. The way we make the sale, it's not really according to the law. We wouldn't have any lawyers, we wouldn't have a contract that's according to the American law. So being that's not legally binding, maybe it also might be an issue. These are only concerns. And therefore, people don't sell hametz. People have, some people have a custom of not selling hametz because of these concerns. Not only that, there's, there's some people who are hoshesh. You'll see, you know, after, after Pesach, you'll see, um, you know, some stickers on certain brands will say, baked after Pesach, purchased after Pesach. 
mean to say it was, it was all these things are purchased after Pesach. Some people will not even eat the hametz that was sold during Pesach. However, I have to tell you very importantly, as the post can bring down, this is only a hashash, it's only a concern. According to Halakha, the sale is valid and it can be eaten after Pesach. Give it to me. If it was sold with the right person, I'll eat it after Pesach. In fact, I saw brought down some of the Admorim used to, you know, the rabbis used to have a hakpada to eat from hametz that was sold after Pesach to show that the sale was valid. He himself did not sell his hametz on Pesach because he wanted to be hoshesh. Like we said in the beginning of the classes of Pesach, Pesach has a time where a person can be mahmir as much as he wants. Take all the humrot as much as you want and people should respect it. But hazrat alone we should think because I want to be mahmir that other people have actual hametz in their house. You want to be mahmir? Fine, you can be mahmir. So this rabbi, a few admonim, a few rabbis would make sure to eat from the hametz that was sold according to halakha. During, before Pesach, they would eat from it after Pesach to show there was nothing wrong with it. It's fine. It can be eaten just like the people who don't eat gabraks, which are which is basically they will never soak their matzah in water because maybe there's some flour on it. Will eat gabraks on the last day of Pesach to show that really was a humra alma. It wasn't something you know. I caught hadin, and the the Hamid brings down a lot of things that basically support the sale of hametz, and therefore. If a person has a minhag not to sell, hazak baruch, that's the best. But if a person is selling the hametz, they shouldn't think they're doing any yisurim. There's some people who only sell certain types of hametz. Some people will only sell mixtures of hametz like medicines. Some people only sell, let's say, alcoholic drinks. You know, whiskeys and, and all these things and vodkas that contain hametz. And again, some people will actually sell their real hametz. In any case, wherever way you're selling your hametz, the best way to do to sell your hametz is by a qualified rav. If you go online to joyradio.com, there's a link to sell your hametz. And over there, it's linked to one of the rabbis that I believe it's Rabbi Mayor. And he sells it in the same place that we all sell it. It goes, It's all being sold by the by, by a very, very, very reliable organization that sells hametz every single year to thousands and thousands of people. And the Tamidah HaChamim in charge of it. And they know what's, what they're doing and they know what's going on. I tell people though, however... If your hametz, your real hametz is only so little, we're talking about something about $10, $15. You know, it's like uh, two rolls of bread, a few things over here, and things are not such a big deal to get rid of, and you can't finish it before Pesach, then get rid of it. Something very small like that, give it away to a goy as a matana, it's better than selling it. But if you were talking about big things, or things are difficult to get, let's say you have, uh, let's say schools, organizations, or let's say you have a lot of things that you prepared yourselves, you know, a lot of doughs, a lot of pastries that you prepared already, and it's very hard, it's not the money, but so much work that's being thrown in the garbage, so these things, then certainly you can rely on the sale of hametz to sell it, but again, it has to be somebody who's competent. Pots, make sure you don't sell your pots, you don't write that I'm selling my pots. In case that you do sell your pots, to go on Pesach, even though the pots never change ownership, since it's the sale is binding according to Halakha, the pots after Pesach need to be taken to the mikveh and dipped again. However, without a beracha, because there's a mahlukit on it. This is the opinion of Hakam ben Tziyon, Allah shalom, as well as Hakam Badiyah, Zechat Sadiq Labracha. Both these poskim, Sfaradi poskim, have ruled, and many have ruled actually this way, that pots that are sold to Goyim on Pesach, then after Pesach must be taken to the mikveh. Although the Benish High says you should sell your pots, however, if you do, you'll have to know that you have to take it again to the mikveh. So don't sell any pots or any 
thing that's hametz, that's utensils. Otherwise, you'll have to take it to the mikveh again. Also, we can explain that the Ben Yishai was talking about pottery. Pottery, heres, doesn't have an obligation of being taken to the mikveh. So because of that, maybe that's what Ben Yishai was talking about. He was talking about one or two pots, maybe. Maybe it wasn't a big deal to take it to the mikveh. Or it was pottery that you didn't have to take it to the mikveh anyway. So that's why he said sell your pots also. Because heres, you don't have to take it to the mikveh anyway. Let's just give you a few examples of what's hametz, what's real hametz, what it's not. You should know if there are certain things that you have, you should know you should try to get rid of them or you don't have to try to get rid of them. Things that are real hametz will be the following. Either pastas, bread, cakes, cookies, or pretzels. Same thing will be like beer, whiskey, and some vodkas. Those are all pure, you know, those are real hametz. Things that are not 100% hametz are some things like cake mixes, even flour is not really, really hametz, even though they... Wash them. They want to not wash them. There's a lot of talk about it in the post scheme. You should treat it as regular hametz, which means you should put it under the sale. You should not have it under your ownership, but you, you mean to say you should sell it for a Pesach. But certainly you don't have to throw it out. You don't have to throw out your, your, your flower and things. You can definitely sell them. Also, like we said, the hametz utensils, ketchup, mayonnaise, those are things that are not real hametz. And of course, like we mentioned, kidneyot. Even if you don't eat kidneyot, rice, kidneyot, all these things are not hametz. In fact, kidneyot and rice, you don't even have to sell. If you're selling because there's a hashash, maybe there is hametz somewhere, fine, you could do that. The ingredients that you don't plan to use on Pesach, you want to sell them just in case it has hametz, you could do that. It's not a problem. Things, but but in, in general, things that you know for sure are not real hametz, you don't have to sell them, although you don't have to to although you don't have to you cannot use them, but you don't have to sell them. You can just store them away. Now that we're done talking about how, how to sell and why you should sell, the question is, now that I did sell my hametz, or if it's real hametz or not real hametz, whatever I did sell for Pesach, the question is, what do I do with it? Like I says, if a goy has his hametz in your house, then you have to put a mechitzah of ten tefahim, basically close it off, and that you should have come to use it on Pesach. And that's what we tell you to do. Close it off, put it in the closet, put a sticker on top of the closet. Hamed do not touch. The goy is Hamed's. So even if the goy technically would have come into your house, he'll know exactly where to go. Label where the Hamed's is that you're, being, that you're selling to the goy, that you shouldn't come to use it. And even if you know about it, if you have other members in the family, they may not know. I had an incident last week where somebody told me that they had a uh, spoon that was given to them in order that they should kosher it for uh, whatever it was, it was basab halab, whatever, they had to kosher it. So the person took it home, he said, anyway, I'm kosher in my kitchen, I'll kosher in your house, in my house for you. He took it home, and his wife saw a spoon, and she used it. But the spoon had out of Isur, and his wife didn't know about it. And you'd think, you know, the wife, she's in charge of the whole kitchen, she should know, but she didn't realize, because there's a spoon that's there. Maybe she did have one that's similar in the house, and the person didn't put it away. So, even if you know about it, that's Hamid's, kids sometimes don't know, even adults, if they see something in the fridge or in the closet, they may not realize it. You have to put it away with a big sign. Hametz, stay away. Next subject that we're going to speak about is Pesach shopping, as we said in our introduction. There are halakhot of Pesach shopping. By time, by this time, I hope you really got all your Pesach shopping. And the main thing that you need to know is really just the laws of matzah. What you should buy, what you should not buy for Pesach. What kind of matzah? Every matzah, I'm not going to go in what's kasher, what's not kasher. If it has a kasher, there's obviously somebody who's selling you that's kasher. If you trust them, 
then you trust them. You don't trust them, then you don't trust them. Nobody can tell you, obviously everybody has his reason why they give a hikshir to whatever they give. That's not the point over here of this class, of what's kash, a good kashu, it's not a good kashu, that you ask your own rabbi. But for the night of the seder, that means for us in America, the first two nights of Pesach, when we are making a seder, we have an obligation from the Torah to eat matzah that night. Make sure that that matzah that you're eating for that night, when you have an obligation like in motzi matzah, or in the afikoman, all the times that you have an obligation to eat the matzah, the matzah should be handmade matzah shemura. Handmade matzah shemura. We have a video where we go through the whole seder from the beginning till the end, showing exactly what to do in each step of the seder. We have it in English and we have it in Arabic. You'll check it out on the website. And over there, we explain the reasons why you need handmade matzah shemura. We'll just tell, say it in short over here. Torah says, matzot. You have to guard the matzot. How do you guard the matzot? And what does it mean to guard the matzot? So there are two halakhot that come out from this pasuk. Number one is, they have to make sure you protect the ingredients that are being used to make the matzot that they shouldn't become hamits. And you have to be on a special watch to make sure they don't become hamits. When do you have to be on that special watch? When does it begin? Me'ikar haddin. It begins from really the time that you make it into dough. However, Shohan Ruch rules that you should have it, really, the halakha is from the time that you grind the wheat and you make it into flour. But he concludes, in right, but not concludes, but he writes, Tov, it's better to go with the opinions of the reef, and I believe the Rambam as well, that from the time that the wheat is harvested, you should make sure that it shouldn't get wet. This is what's known today in the market as Matzah when you see matzah shemura written on boxes, it means from the time that they harvested the wheat, they made sure that the water should have come to it and it shouldn't become hasushom hametz. And that is a shemira that is needed for the night of Pesach, of, of Lil Pesach, the first time of Pesach when we're having the seder. When we're eating that matzah, that's an obligation. We have to make sure that it's protected. And like the Shohan Aruch says, from the time that it was harvested. That's known in the market as matzah shemura. The other halakha that we get from the Pasuk of Matzot is that you need to have kavana to be on guard that this matzah is being used for the sake of a mitzvah. Like we would do when we're tying tzitzit. You have to have kavana that you're doing for the sake of a mitzvah. When you're writing a letter in Sefer Torah, you have to have kavana that you're doing for the sake of the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. Same thing over here when we come to Lehel Seder, the matzah that we eat. When it's made, we should have kavana that was made for the sake of the mitzvah. Now, the halakha rules that you can't allow little children, children under the age of bar mitzvah, or goyim, or heres shoteh, those are you know people who don't qualify, or nahayab mitzvot, to be able to do the matzot because you need kavanah. Even if the Jew is watching the, the little child, the Jewish child, is under bar mitzvah, he's 12 years old, and you have an adult standing by him telling him, have kavanah, that this is for the sake of a mitzvah, it doesn't work. That's a ruling of the Shohan Aruch from the Rashba. So if that doesn't work, so how are you going to have a machine-made matzah? It's, the machine is not any better than the katan. And you're telling the machine, go ahead, you're pressing the button, and you're saying, okay, this is the shame matzat matzah. So again, the machine can have kavana. For that reason, many poskim rule, machines or machine-made matzah doesn't qualify for the matzah of matzah on the night of the Seder. You could have it throughout the holiday of Pesach, no problem. Because throughout the holiday of Pesach, you need to have matzah that's the hametz. And if you hold that machine made matzah, it's not a problem, hametz, no problem. But for that night, it's going to be a problem because it can't have kavanah. 
Some hold, no, you could have kavanah with the machine because it's different over there. The child is doing it and the, the adult is commanding and that's why it doesn't work. But over here, the machine only works by your command as an adult. So you could have kavanah when you're pressing the button. But the ruling of the Sfaradi scheme and majority of poskim is that for the night of the Seder, make sure you have a handmade matzah and that's the ran matzah. That's why you'll say according to all opinions. This is the only mitzvah that we eat this is it, Minat Torah. We don't have any mitzvah that we eat in our days except for the matzah and leila seder. So therefore, try to do it according to all the post scheme. Pay a little bit more money for it. Listen, people go out sometimes. There's a special, you know, times where we go out to a nice fancy restaurant. If it's an anniversary, a birthday, or you have a business meeting, you go out and you spend money. You would not spend for you know, for a piece of steak in your own house, you would not spend twenty, you know, two hundred dollars. Certainly not three hundred, three hundred fifty dollars per person, right? But you know, when it's special, you go and you spend. Tonight is special. You have a very special guest. Many guests are coming to your house. Not talking about your family. You have a kadosh baruch Hu, You have the malachim, as Azwar says, they come to your house on Leila Seder. So it's worth it to invest. Put a few more dollars in honor of a kadosh baruch Hu, Get him something that fits according to all opinions. That's kasher according to opinions, and you can do the mitzvah according to all opinions, and buy yourself a handmade matzah shemara at least for the two nights of the seder. Next category of of uh, halachot that we're going to speak about are the halachot of erev pesach. Erev pesach means beginning from the night of the fourteenth. The night of fifteenth is when we sit down for the seder. The night of fourteenth already, we have a lot of halachot, and we'll begin first. With the most important halachot of Ere Pesach, which is really the night beforehand, and that is Bedikat Hametz. Bedikat Hametz is an obligation. It could possibly be Min HaTorah, but getting rid of the Hametz is a Mizvah Min HaTorah. Torah says, Shiba'at Yamim Seolo You cannot have Seor, you cannot have, that means any Hametz in your houses. Because whoever eats mahmets, whoever eats a mixture of hametz, gets the punishment of karet. Another pasuk says, You must get rid of this seor, must get rid of the hametz from your houses. The Gemara points out that there's a contradiction here. In one pasuk, you told me for seven days I'm not allowed to have hametz. The second pasuk says, on the first day you get rid of hametz. One second, but if you get rid of it on the first day, that means you already had it from the night before. Yom means daytime. But here the Pasuk says seven days. So how do you reconcile this? Is it that I have to get rid of it from before the seven days begin, which means from the night? Or is it that I have to get rid of it from the daytime? So the Gemara explains that this first day over here doesn't mean the first day of the holiday. But this is the first day where begins the Pesach celebrations, which is when we bring Korban Pesach. And that is Ere Pesach, Yudalit Nisan. According to the Torah, from Hatzot Hayom of Ere Pesach, we must already stop eating hametz. From the time that we have to bring the Korban Pesach. As it says in the Pasuk, Pesach Bring the Korban Pesach, Don't eat any hametz when you bring Korban Pesach. However, the Hakamim said that, you know, we know people, we know Jewish time, it doesn't work that way. You tell them a time, they're going to be always late. So therefore, we're going to make a Gezerah, we're going to make it earlier. An hour beforehand, which is the end of the fifth hour, you may or not have any benefit from it. You already have to have burnt it already. You're not going to the Torah, you can wait another hour. No, we're going to tell you from the end of the fifth hour, you must burn it already. And you must finish eating it even an hour before that. 
which is the end of the fourth hour. You must stop eating hametz when the end of the fourth hour. So therefore, every household must be rid of the hametz from already the first day before the holiday comes. That's midoraita. But how do we begin it? How do we begin the mitzvah of of destroying it? And the answer is, we have to get rid of it from beforehand. According to Halakha, really in the Torah, if I want to get rid of something, I can do it in a number of ways. One is take the item and throw it out. Make sure it's not existing in the world. The other way I can do is, is by releasing ownership from it. Declare the hefkir, it's not mine. Because remember, as we learned, the isur of Hametz is when it's under Jewish ownership. If it's not under Jewish ownership, so that's it. I released my ownership from it. It's not mine anymore. So bitul alone, if I nullify it alone, that should technically work. But as the Hagami pointed out, it's not so easy. The guy is coming and he has thousands and thousands of, of imagine, thousands of, of uh, pounds of hamids. And now he says, yeah, 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 this is not mine anymore. He knows nobody's coming to pick it up. I'm sure he, he, he can't tell me he's taking it. He really means it seriously. It's not mine. So because of that, Hakamim said, it's not enough to just declare it ownerless. You have to search for the Hametz and get rid of it. And it's not enough to just search for the Hametz and get rid of it. You also have to declare it ownerless. Why? I searched for it. I looked for it. I got rid of it. Yeah, and answer is maybe you missed some spots. So that's where the Bedikat and Betul come in. Bedikat Hametz means I have to search, seek and destroy, search for Hametz and get rid of it. And then I must do again, I must do Betul and I must declare ownerless. I'm mafkir. I give up. I release my ownership from the Hametz. That's the reasons of why we have Bedikat Hametz. When does the obligation begin? And the answer is from the night before. Why the night? You still have, you can eat the Hametz the next day. And the answer is we want you to do Bedikat when it's nighttime so you're able to see better by using a candle. A candle shines better at night. There's certain spots that you need a candle for. These are spots, let's say, translated in our days, like let's say behind uh, a bookcase where you could reach. In places that the regular light would not reach, you need to use a special light for it. So therefore, the takanaf and the hakamim is that you must begin already from the night before to look for the hamid to get rid of it. And that happens always the night before Pesach. You must look for the hamid. The only exception is, is when Pesach has on Motzei Shabbat, so in that case, the night before is Friday night, Lil Shabbat, you can't do Bedikat Hametz. You'll have to do Bedikat Hametz that year on Thursday night. But it's always the night before is when we begin. And you must begin it from the beginning of the night. Once the night comes already, you go ahead and you search for the Hametz. How do you search for the Hametz? So the Halakha brings down that you must use a candle. You're not allowed to use a big flame because we're scared you might put your house on fire. So you use a candle. But today we're scared that you might put, with the candle, you might put your house on fire. So therefore, you can use a flashlight. Almost all the poskim agree that the icar of here is you need light. So you can use a flashlight. You can use your flashlight on the back of your phone. You can use the regular flashlight that you buy from the store. You can use any light that you need. But you need a flashlight. It's not enough to just put on the electricity. You shouldn't shut off electricity because electricity is better. Every time you go into your, your kid's room when they're sleeping and you put on just the phone light, you're only limited to a certain spot that you see, but if you put on the light in the room, you see better. With the flashlight, you'll see even better than that. So therefore, keep the electricity on, use a flashlight, and look for the hamits. Ham ben Siyon has a hadush and he says that it's not good enough to, say, to just use a flashlight. You must use an actual candle. And he says, if you can use a flashlight, do Bedikat Hametz without a Beracha. 
It's a big hadush. So therefore, to be Yotze Otsito, this is what you do. Start with a candle. Make a brachal bidgat hametz on the candle. Start searching one of the rooms with a candle. And afterwards, switch to a flashlight. You did already one header. According to halakha, you did already the brachha had what to rely on. You already basically used the halakha for the candle. Afterwards, you can switch over to a flashlight without a problem. Who's hayab in the bidika? The obligation falls on the owner of the hametz, which is usually the owner of the house. That's the balabait, usually the father, whoever is in charge of the house over there. He's uh, he has an obligation. <clears throat> and to make sure that the person keeps his obligation, Hachamim made a few restrictions that when the time comes, we don't want you to forget about the bedika. Therefore, they made a few restrictions. Number one is you can't have a meal with bread half an hour before bedika begins. Bedika begins at Seta Kochabim. Whenever you hold Seta Kochabim, whether you hold it 30 minutes after sunset, 40 minutes after sunset, or whatever you hold, <clears throat> half an hour before your bedika begins, you cannot have any meal with bread. Bread meaning... Two ounces of bread. Less than that, you're allowed to eat. You're allowed to eat a small meal, also like rice and things, whatever that I have. <clears throat> also, you <clears throat> shouldn't get involved in any melachot. And to melacha means like laundry, melachot that take a long time to do, like sewing, stitching, building. These kind of melachot you shouldn't begin once the time comes to check your house for berikat hametz. Also, you shouldn't sit down to learn in your house when the time comes to, to check your, for your hamits. When the time comes, you shouldn't start learning. But if you're already learning from beforehand, you got nimshach, you could finish up what you're learning. But shouldn't start learning because you have the obligation of doing bedigat hamits. This is only an obligation on the person who, I mean to say the restrictions of Saudam, Melacham, is only on the person who's the owner who has the obligation to do bedigat hamits. The kids who are off from Ben Azmanim, their home, or uh, you know, obviously, even the above, obviously above the age of bar mitzvah, or women don't have this obligation. The obligation is on the father. So if the father is coming home late, kids can have a meal, kids can learn. There is no problem because it's not their obligation; it's their father's obligation. However, although it's the obligation of the father, the father can appoint the children as shaliyah as long as they're above the age of bar mitzvah, or his wife can also be appointed to check the house to do bedikat hametz, and not only can they appoint them. They could also help him. They could assist him. In fact, it's recommended they assist him. This way, this doesn't become a burden on one person. They should stand next to the father when he's making the bracha of, of al-bi'ur hametz. And then they spread out to each part of the house, each one looking for the hametz. Rabotai, bedikat hametz is not a hide-and-go-seek game. You don't take 10 pieces, you put them in the house, and you go get the 10 pieces. It's not a game. You just go pick up the 10 pieces and you're done. Bedigat Hametz has to be that you're searching, you're looking if there's Hametz around. So you know your house, you know your kids, and you know what the house is pretty much what it's going to be. You know where might be Hametz, and you know which areas are more the danger zone and which are less a danger zone. You know the kids' room behind the beds, and we spoke about where you have to clean. So although a lot of people do clean anyway before Pesach, they clean the house very well and everything, it's your responsibility as a mashgiah, you, the owner of the house, you're going to be the mashgiah to make sure there's nothing there. The way I like to put it is that, would you be ready if I would come to your house on the night or the next day, after and I'll tell you, listen, I'm going to look in your house. If I find a piece of hamets, you'll pay me $10,000. Are you ready to put such a bet on? Are you ready to put a bet that if I come and I won't find hamets in your house? If you're ready, if you feel very confident, you're ready to pay me $10,000 that I will not find any hamets that you didn't find, 
then, okay, you can be confident you did good bedikat hametz. If you're not so comfortable, then it shows maybe you didn't do the proper bedikah. Now, this doesn't mean you have to drive yourself nuts and look in places that you can't reach, that are inaccessible. Like we said, under the freezer, which you're not going to move. Behind the oven, which you're not going to move. You don't have to look over there. You don't have to worry over there. Maybe something fell over there. You could just be in batel. That's good enough. But still in places which are commonly used, a person has to be careful, has to look and search those spaces for hametz. I'll give you some examples, although we said in the, in the past, cars, school bags, children's school bags, children's jackets, uh, purses, uh, you know, women's purses and, and uh, pocketbooks, and also by the couches, you know, by the crevices of the couches where your hand can reach, plenty of hametz is over there. I've discovered that a few years. And, of course, if you have little kids and you hide some snacks from them, if you haven't cleaned behind their beds, make sure you clean there. You'll find a lot of stacks of either hametz or used up hametz. But certainly, they uh, you could definitely find it over there. <clears throat> the places that you're planning to sell to a goy, that means, let's say you're selling a room to a goy, that means you're putting the hametz in that closet, you don't have to do bedikah on it. That's it, you close it off and you sell it off to the goy. Question is, do we need to do bedikah on books? And the answer is no. You don't need to do bedikat hametz on your books unless you're a person that puts food over there. <clears throat> what about the books that you usually use on the table when you do have hametz? The answer is, din, you don't have to. You want to do that hasidut, it's great. din, you don't have to do bedikah on them. But what is, is recommended is that the books that you usually bring to the table where there is hametz, don't use them on Pesach. Try to avoid them on Pesach. Also, benchers should for sure be taken away, stored away with the hametz. Benchers definitely have a lot of hametz. You don't have to get rid of them because it's enough with bitul. You're just going to be batel it or you're going to sell that type of hametz to, to goy. <clears throat> if you want to make your bedikat hametz easy, we already told you that you can have other people helping you. It could be family members or it could not be family members. It doesn't make a difference. But it has to be Jewish and above the age of bar mitzvah. There's, there's an idea that's brought down the post scheme is that as your wife or whoever is cleaning for you the house, as they're cleaning the house for you on Pesach and before Pesach, you could do Bedikat Hametz over there on those rooms, but you must leave over one room at least for the night before Pesach during the time when we all do Bedikat Hametz to make a bracha on it. You cannot do Bedikat Hametz on the whole house and be exempt. You must do Bedikat Hametz that night with the beracha at least on one of the rooms. We do have a minhag, as is brought down in Ramah, to take 10 pieces of bread and put them around. That bread should not be a kezait, meaning to say all the 10 pieces combined should not be a kezait. Also, recommended that you should put them in aluminum foil. This way, you don't have crumbs laying around. You know where the pieces are. You pick them up. Besides your regular bedika that you check for. After you did your bedikat hametz, then you do bitul. Bitul means you're nullifying, you're declaring whatever hametz you found that you, or not even you found it really, any hametz that you don't know about to be ownerless, this way it's not yours, and it's batel. That's what the idea of bitul, you have to understand what you're saying. If you don't understand what you're saying, make sure you say in the language that you understand, and there's plenty of Haggadot that write what they write. That is your mitzvah bedikat hametz. Whatever hametz you need for the next day to eat, you put it in a separate area and you eat it 
When do you eat it? You can eat it the next day until the last time they're allowed to eat hametz. But you're still not done with the mitzvah of tashbitu, of getting rid of your hametz. The following day, Erev Hag, you must go ahead and burn the hametz that you have. And you can really burn it from the beginning of the day. But the latest time that you, you have is at the end of the fifth halakhic hour. And that, of course, depends every year. It all depends on what time it is. But you could again, you can burn it anytime you want. When the, you come to the point that you're not going to use any hametz, that means to say, you're not eating any hametz, you're not going to put it in the closet to the go, you're not going to sell any more hametz, you're not going to give it away, you're not going to get any hana from the hametz. At any time before the late, the fifth hour, you could declare your hametz ownerless, you could do bitul, that's only after you burnt the hametz. Once we burn the hametz, then we do a final bitul, which is basically declaring any hametz that I know about or I don't know about, whether I saw it, I did not see it, should become hametz, it should become batel, it should become nullified, it's not mine, you release ownership from it. And with that, you did the mitzvah of bedikat hametz. Quick, few quick halachot, few quick points regarding bedikat hametz very quickly. Number one is you need to do bedikat hametz also in your office and in your store. How do you do that? So if it's, if you, the, you know, if Bidikata, you come, you're going to work and after work, you're coming home. So if you're staying at work till nighttime, you do Bidikata Hamitz at work and then you come home and you do Bidikata Hamitz in the house. If you're not, if you're not going to be there in the night, so then you do Bidikata Hamitz the last time you're going to be in your office or in your store. You need to do Bidikata Hamitz. If the Goyim are still continuing to eat the Hamitz in your store, it's not your Hamitz, it's their Hamitz, it's not a problem. So make sure that you, any hametz that you provide for them should not be yours. Give it away as a matana or sell it. cannot be used on Pesach. You have to get rid of that hametz. It should not be under your ownership. If you're traveling away, you're going away from your house, you're not going to be in your house on Pesach. If you're going anytime after Purim, so the halakha is as follows. If you're going away completely, completely, you're not coming back to your house, Okay, so then, and you're going to somewhere else, you're going to a hotel, whatever it is. So then your house, you lock it up, you sell it to the goy, and wherever you're going to, you do berikat hametz over there with the beracha. If, however, you're coming back home during Pesach, so then being that you are using your house during Pesach, you must do berikat hametz on it on the night before Pesach, which is the 14th night of Nisan, or the last time that you're leaving from your house, again, assuming that you're traveling after Purim like most people do. If you're going away from your house and not planning to come back, and the place where you're going, you have no chance to do Bedikat Hametz. You're a guest somewhere over there. They're not giving you a private room. So if you have a private room somewhere, you're going to your in-laws, you're going to your parents for Pesach, and your house is being locked up. So then that, that's what you do, your Bedikat Hametz in that room. But if you don't have a place to do Bidikat Hametz, wherever you're going to, because you don't have a private room, so in that case, then you must do Bidikat before you leave. In all the cases that you're doing Bidikat Hametz before the 14th of Nisan, you cannot make a Bracha. Bracha is only recited on the night of Bidikat Hametz, which is the night before Pesach, and that is on the 14th of Nisan. With that, we concluded the Halakhot of Bidikat Hametz, Move on to other halakhot of Eid Pesach. Number two, the, or category number two of halakhot of Eid Pesach is Ta'anit Bechorot, the fast of the firstborns. This is a minhag that all the Jews, that any firstborn, whether you're firstborn from your father or from your mother, 
you must fast Eid of Pesach. Why? Different reasons are given. The most famous one is because Hashem did not kill the firstborns in Egypt. So therefore, we must, the firstborns should fast. The Minhag is, though, that although we must fast, women do not fast. Most people don't have a Minhag that women fast. Some people do have a Minhag that women fast, like people who are, you know, from Mitzrayim. Egyptian Jews have a Minhag. The Ishmael brings that that was a Minhag also in Jerba, that people... Women also fasted. Obviously, if a woman is pregnant and she is the firstborn, she's patur for fasting. Or she's nursing. Obviously, it's patur. But those who are healthy and they have a minhag that do ladies do fast, then the obligation is to fast. We do also have we also have a custom that if you have a child who's a firstborn, that means a boy who's a firstborn, is a bechor, and he's under the age of bar mitzvah, then the father fasts in his place. And of course, most people do not fast at Pesach. Because there are ways that you can exempt yourself from the fast. And how could you do that? There are three different possibilities. And that is if all of them are Saudat Mizvah. If you attend the Saudat Mizvah. What's called the Saudat Mizvah? A Brit Milah. Pidyon Habin. Or the most common way which is attending a Siyum Masichet. You should know by a Siyum Masichet. If you're attending a Siyum Masichet which takes place in many shuls. You have to make sure you understand what the person whoever is making the Siyum is saying. That means if he's talking in English and you speak um, I don't know, Swahili or whatever it is, then you, you're not Yotzeh. You have to understand what he's saying and you must partake in the Sauda. Make sure you get yourself either three ounces of wine or you can probably have egg matzah over there, something of mezonot that you should be, that's considered your mishtatif in the Sauda. For the ladies who don't have the custom of fasting and they are also firstborn, Akhavadiyah says, it's a nice, it's a good idea to take something from the Siyum to bring it home. But that only works for the ladies who anyway don't have the custom of fasting. But for the men who have the menhag of fasting or they have the obligation of fasting, you can't just sit home and get a cup of wine from the Siyum and be Yotzei Dehoba. You have to be actually physically there attending the Siyum and understand what's going on. Other halakhot for Ayad Pesach is that there's some restrictions on what we can eat on Ayad Pesach. Number one is matzah. It is asur to eat Ayad Pesach, excuse me, asur to eat on Ayad Pesach any matzah. What, that, what does that mean, any matzah? means any matzah that could qualify technically as a matzah to be eaten on the night of Pesach. That's plain water matzah. If you have a manhag of eating Egg matzah, like the Sfaradim do, they can eat egg matzah. But any plain matzah, you cannot eat it on a Pesach. Why? We want you to come the night of Pesach and eat the matzah with a te'avon, with an appetite. So, therefore, we restrict you from eating the matzah on a of Pesach. It begins from Alotas Shahar, although there are some opinions like the Ramban, as the Ben Yishai also brings down as well, that you should start from the night before a of Pesach, which means on Yudalit at night, to refrain from eating the matzah. But Ma'ikar din only begins from Eid Pesach. Some even have a minhag that from Rosh Hashanah Nisan already, they don't eat matzah, so this way they come with appetite. Fine, but the Ma'ikar din is only Eid Pesach, that's a din. Children that are under age of Bar Mitzvah and they understand the whole story of Yetziat Misraim also should not eat matzah on Eid Pesach. Cooked matzah, like we said, also matzah ashira, which is egg matzah, is mutar. One has to be careful from certain matzah that may be deceiving. Chocolate-covered matzah is really a regular matzah that's just covered with chocolate. That is regular hamotzi during Pesach, and that also cannot be eaten out of Pesach. 
It's not that you took a matzah and you put chocolate on it. It doesn't work. You could be yotzeh technically with it. Also, fried matzah is a problem or anything made from matzah meal. Anything made from matzah meal is a problem also on Ayur Pesah. Even matzah da'ar hametz. Matzah da'ar hametz, what does that mean? That means they were not baked properly. Even though you're eating in the time that you're allowed to eat hametz, that still, since it's the same taste as a regular matzah, they cannot be in Ayur Pesah. Some even have a minhag of not eating lettuce. It's a minhag only. It's not an obligation in Hadin because in anticipation for the maror that's going to be in on the night of Pesach. Drinking wine is restricted at Pesach if you're only drinking a little bit of wine. But if you're having a lot of wine and you know you're not going to get drunk, then you can have it on Eid Pesach, although that's not recommended because a lot of wine will pretty much get you shikr. There's another halakha, and that is after minha, which is sha'asirit, a person even should refrain even from regular food that you're allowed to eat the whole day, like matzah ashira. And as Rama brings down, that a person has to come into let's say with an appetite. You're eating a lot of food that night, Rabotai. So make sure, even though you're allowed to eat rice and other things, don't overeat. Overeat means over here that you should come in hungry. We want you to come in hungry for the night of Seder because you have a lot of matzah to eat, a lot of things to eat. And of course, the food that you have to eat out of Shalom Bayit because you're eating by your parents or by your in-laws or because your wife is making it. So you have a lot of food to eat. Make sure you don't, even when you're allowed to eat like fruits and stuff, you don't overeat. Come into the Leila Seder a little bit hungry with an appetite. Finally, the last halachot of Ayda Pesach, we'll conclude with this, are the melachot of Ayda Pesach. In general, we are not allowed to do melachot that we're not allowed to do on Holomoid on Ayd of Pesach. Let's give you some of the primary examples. You can do laundry, you can do building, you can do sewing. And even haircuts cannot be done on Ayd of Pesach from Hatzot and onwards. From the time of Hatzot and onwards, a person cannot do these melachot. Shaving, ironing, as Acham Etzion calls them, these are light melachot. Should, you should try to have them done at a Pesach before Hatzot. But if a person couldn't, then you could do them even after Hatzot, shaving and uh, ironing. Also, small stitching. Let's say you want to put on a button, whatever, for something they need for the holiday, you could also do at a Pesach after Hatzot. If a person needs to take a haircut, then in that case, you should go to a non-Jewish barber Unless a Jewish barber is in the category of an Ani and he needs the money for Pesach, then you could go to a Jewish barber. But otherwise, a regular barber who you don't know as an Ani, then for him, you should avoid to go to him to get a haircut on Pesach after Hatzot. But before Hatzot, of course, all this is mutar. And finally, we'll conclude with this point. Writing Hidushe Torah is mutar also on Pesach after Hatzot. And with that, we've done our preparations for Pesach, and Bezat Hashem, we shall all have a wonderful, wonderful Pesach, and Bezat Hashem, we should have the next Pesach in Yerushalayim, eating the Korban Pesach, with, by bringing the Korbanot in the Beit HaMikdash. Thank you for listening, have a wonderful kosher Pesach. Next week, we will not be here, because it will be the holiday of Pesach. The week afterwards, we'll have a class on the laws, what we need to know of, what we need to do after Pesach, Bezat Hashem. We want to thank Iran, Rav Nisim, Lazari and the whole J Root staff for everything that they do, they constantly do for us, and not only for this show, for everything else, for all Klal Israel. They should have a wonderful Pesach as well. And Mazat Hashem will see everybody after Pesach. Anyone who has questions will be here in the station. You could call in now at 718 683 5858. We're only here for the next 15 minutes. 
And you could text in at 347-927-8398. Thank you for listening.